Well, good morning, Harmony. You know, I'm very thankful to be here this morning, but I'm even more thankful that you're here this morning. I'm sure several of you stayed up a little late last night to welcome in the new year. Anybody make it to midnight? I'll be honest, the people here in Danville did better than the 8.30 service uh, in Burlington. So happy new year. But even if you're tired, a bit tired, I can't think of a better way to, to start the year than gathering together to worship the Lord together. In addition, of course, the new year provides a chance to, to start fresh, to maybe set some new habits or quit some bad habits. And I'm sure some of you out there, like I used to be, are anti-New Year's resolutions people. Any of those? Mm-hmm. But you see, I've grown to appreciate them. Not because there's anything special about the calendar kind of turning over to a new year, but because it simply provides us with an opportunity to really reflect and think about the past year. What went well, what didn't go well, perhaps how you grew, perhaps how you realized you still need to grow. And then in that, to, to look Forward and maybe consider what God might be leading you to pursue in the coming year. And that's partially, partially my hope for us today. So I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, today's application is going to be a couple church-wide New Year's resolutions. I know you're on the edge of your seat, but you're just going to have to wait for a little bit. But whether you like New Year's resolutions or not, I, I trust there will be things that we can all joyfully pursue together. Today, for our passage, we're going to look at John chapter 4, the woman at the well, where Jesus has an amazing conversation with a Samaritan woman. I chose this passage for a few reasons. One, I thought it was a great New Year's passage to kind of get our hearts pointed in the right direction for 2023. Two, it's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And three, maybe most relevant for us today, it's a passage the Lord has used significantly in burdening me and my family and leading us towards church planting in St. Louis. And in fact, it's the inspiration for the name of our future church plant. Now, I know you and we all heard a lot of information in November, but as a reminder, or perhaps you missed it, here's some news. My family and I will be heading to St. Louis this summer to, Lord willing, plant a church. And the plan is to call that church the Well Community Church. And the idea behind the well is from our passage today, John chapter 4. A well was very important in Jesus' day and still today in many places as it provided water necessary for sustenance and survival. But as we'll see in our passage, it was also a place where Jesus crossed significant cultural boundaries, not just to satisfy a temporal thirst, but to offer living water, eternal life. Our prayer really for going to St. Louis is that we might dig in deep, and plant the Well Community Church to be a place where people are filled up with the living water of Jesus Christ and are truly satisfied in Him and Him alone. A, a gathering 
of God's people to to worship the Lord, to experience his love and grace and then go out and be his witnesses in St. Louis and to the ends of the earth. Because it isn't just St. Louis that needs this living water, right? But Albania and Thailand and Indonesia and all over the world as God raises up his people to be on mission to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, this is one of, if not the main reason, I fell in love with Harmony Bible Church when we moved here. Harmony, all of you have been a spring of living water as well as many people in our past for our communities and far beyond for many years. And the, the hope, the, the prayer that I ask you to join me and my family in is that the Well Community Church would do likewise in St. Louis and beyond. And so that's why I chose John chapter four today. So go ahead, if you haven't already, turn there with me. We're gonna look at John 4, one through 42. It's on page 697 in the provided Bibles. If you need a Bible and you didn't get one last week as a Christmas gift, it's a New Year's present today. So follow along with me as I read the first part of our text, John 4, 1 through 29. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, "I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, 
I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? I really do just love this passage. Jesus' patient dialogue, his gracious probing to get to the heart of this Samaritan woman. Leading her to think about this promised Messiah As she says, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ, and then Jesus has one of his mic drop moments. I who speak to you am he. Jesus is declaring, I am the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one you have been waiting for. Now before we get to the key points today, I want to begin by touching simply on the significance of this conversation. The significance that this conversation is even happening at all. Jesus is crossing a a chasm when it comes to cultural and religious lines. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Samaritans had Jewish roots, but they had intermarried with foreigners when the Assyrians captured Samaria. Thus, Jews viewed Samaritans as these racial half-breeds whose religion had been tainted by unacceptable influence from other cultures. In addition, it would have been scandalous back then for Jesus, a man, to be having a one-on-one conversation alone with a woman, period especially this woman who had a bit of a shady past when it came to men. This is exactly what Jesus does. He breaks down boundaries, steps over chasms to bring the good news. That's what we just celebrated last weekend, right? You see, Jesus wasn't just willing to step across some cultural and religious lines to share the good news of eternal life. He was willing to to step down from heaven, step down from glory, humble himself, become man born in a manger to bring the good news, the hope of salvation to the world. And he doesn't stop there, of course. He was even willing to die so that you and me might have eternal life by grace through faith in him. You see, John in this gospel from the first chapter till now wants us to see the significance of what Jesus does. The culture-breaking, heaven-earth-breaking steps he is willing to take to bring hope and truth to the world, to the outcasts, to the unnamed, or as we just finished studying, to the poor in spirit, the meek, the persecuted. Now, what I'd like to do this morning is to zoom in on our own personal relationships with Jesus. I think that's the best way to start 2023. We're going to consider three key points, two from what we just read, and then one final point from the rest of our passage. And then, of course, we'll close with the much-anticipated 2023 Harmony Bible Church New Year's resolutions. 
Just wait. I don't feel like you're buying it, but. (laughs) Key point number one. No one knows you better than Jesus. No one knows you better than Jesus. Every time I read this passage, I'm struck that Jesus knows this woman through and through. He isn't surprised by anything she says. He isn't distracted. He isn't caught off guard. And instead, he moves right towards her heart, right towards her struggles or misplaced searching for satisfaction. He meets her right where she is. And then he shares good news, hope with her in a way that she can hear it. Let's think of this from her perspective. She, she goes to, to fetch water in the, in the heat of the day, much not like today. But it wasn't the normal time to gather water. But she'd had a rough go in life. She'd made mistakes and likely wasn't welcome to go to the well with the other women from Sychar. So she has to go alone. Then she arrives and this stranger is sitting there. And no less, it's a Jew who she would have expected to to maybe shun her or perhaps even worse. But instead, he asks her for a drink. Catching her off guard immediately. And then that amazing conversation ensues. And this stranger, Jesus, come to find out, doesn't just know a little about her, but knows everything about her. As she goes on, to say, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. We can't miss the all. Jesus knows her. Not just a bit of her history, he knows it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, the really ugly, the things in her heart and mind that she doesn't want anyone to ever know or find out about, and yet knowing everything about this woman. He doesn't shun her. He doesn't pronounce her unclean. He doesn't avoid talking to her and get up and leave, but instead he asks her for a drink and simply starts a conversation. He opens the door with her to begin a relationship. And then in that conversation, he reveals to her that he knows her at the deepest level. And another thing we can't miss in that conversation is he doesn't skirt around her mess. He doesn't skirt around the the ugly, the really ugly inner life. He doesn't avoid her sin as to not offend her, but instead he goes right at it. Right, Right after sharing about this living water, this eternal life. If you've ever tried to have a gospel conversation, she takes the bait, can I have it? And instead he says, Go, get your husband and come back. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like if I ever tried that, that would be the end of the conversation and they would not come back. You see, here Jesus knows her. He knows her past. He knows how she was likely trying to find maybe her satisfaction or her identity or really at that time perhaps just security and survival in a harsh world through her multiple marriages and relationships. So Jesus doesn't ignore her sins or struggles or thirst for satisfaction but instead goes right after them and wants to bring healing and salvation, eternal satisfaction for her soul. 
to quench her thirst forever. Jesus knows her better than anyone. Now here's where we come in. Jesus knows you too. He knows you. In fact, he knows you better than anyone. Better than your spouse if you're married. Better than your best friend. He knows you even better than you know yourself. I love this in Psalm 139, one through four. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. Sometimes in church, right, we're not sure which one we're supposed to do, but he knows. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. And here's what's crazy to me. This morning, whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ or not, he still knows you better than anyone else. No one knows you better than Jesus. And here's why this is so important. We were all made to be known. We were all made for relationship. God made us to be in relationship with each other. That's why the body church is so important. And most importantly, he made us to be in relationship with him. You know, it's interesting. If you do any type of research on the basic human needs, even from a secular perspective, relationship, belonging, connection, or love are essentially always there. Of course, there's food, water, shelter, and sleep, but almost always on those same lists is being known, having relationships with others. We weren't made to be alone. We need love. We need people who know and care about us, and no one knows you, no one cares about you, and no one loves you more than Jesus period. In fact, all of our relationships with each other are going to let us down in some way. Our sin makes a mess of our relationships, but Jesus will never let you down. He already knows all your junk, all your sins. He knows the bad and the ugly, and yet he meets us right where we are, just like the woman at the well. He stepped down from heaven, lived the perfect life, and died for us. He took our penalty. He took the ugly. He took our mess so that we might be reconciled to God. So that that relationship we so need might be restored. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I know almost all of you know that John 3:16, but here's the point, John 3. We're in John 4. The next major encounter Jesus has in the Gospel of John is with this Samaritan woman, a woman of the world that God so loved. And Jesus, knowing everything about her, doesn't shun her or push her away, but pursues a relationship with us. 
He was given for her. He knows her. But it doesn't just end with Jesus knowing everything about her. It doesn't just end with Jesus knowing everything about us. That brings us to our second key point this morning. You see, it's true that one of our greatest needs is to be known and loved. No one knows you or loves you more than Jesus. But equally, and dare I say more importantly, is that you need to know Jesus. He knows us, every one of us, but our biggest need is to come to know him. And that's what stands out to me so much in this passage. You see, Jesus doesn't just cross the religious and cultural divide to let this Samaritan woman know that he knows her, that he knows everything about her. But he also lets her know who he is. I who speak to you am he, the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one who will tell you all things, the savior of the world. And that, my friends, makes all the difference. Key point number two, knowing Jesus changes everything. He knows you, but do you know him? Knowing Jesus changes everything because only Jesus can fully satisfy our greatest need, our greatest desires. Only Jesus offers living water that becomes a spring welling up to eternal life. You see, when we truly know Jesus, when we repent of our sins and place our faith in him, we get eternal life. We get that eternal relationship restored with him. Knowing Jesus changes everything. You see, before I knew Jesus, Quite simply, I was living for myself, seeking what I wanted, seeking first the kingdom of John, which I may have said this before, but that's a great name for a porta potty business, kingdom of John. And my kingdom would amount to nothing more. But God, when I was in junior high and high school, met me where I was with all my junk, all my ugly, and he cut to my heart just like he did for the woman at the well, and it changed everything in my life. It changed my whole life trajectory, where now I seek to live for him. I want to submit my life to him, seek his kingdom first, make him known, and do I do that perfectly? Heck no. But thanks be to God for his grace because the requirement is not how well I'm doing that or what I do for him, but that he knows me and I know him. Knowing Jesus changes everything because only he can transform our hearts. He can transform your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. As it says in Ezekiel 11, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put with them. And I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. When we know Jesus, God transforms us from the inside out. 
When we know him, trust in him, our sins are forgiven. We receive his spirit. We're adopted into his family and God begins to transform us to be more and more like Christ. Here's a key to the Christian life. Listen closely. Becoming more and more like Jesus doesn't happen because we try harder or we do better, but because we have a relationship with him. If you're sitting out there thinking, I've been working so hard on making myself better, more like Jesus, trying to fight the sin in my life as hard as I can, just white knuckling it every day, and it just doesn't seem to be working. Hear me. All our working Our toiling must be secondary to our being, being with Jesus in relationship with him. If you want to be more like Christ, it's all about your relationship with Jesus, knowing him more, pursuing and investing in that relationship. Think about any important relationship in your life. If you want to strengthen that relationship, what do you do? You invest in it, right? You spend time with the other person. You get to know them more. Let me give you a personal example I'm guilty of, but Lord willing, I'm learning, and hopefully it will help. So on January 1st, let's talk about my relationship with my wife. Great way to start the year. I've been married for over 13 years now. We'll hit 14 this year. And almost every single day, to be quite honest, I think, man, how could I be a better husband? Now, that might sound good, but that's just because I mess up multiple times every single day, so I'm trying to save myself here. How can I be a better husband? But you know what my go-to next thought is, almost without a doubt? Man, maybe, maybe I should read another book or another article, or listen to a podcast and see what insights I might gleam or some golden nuggets of truth that'll be transformative to how I approach my relationship so that I can do it better. And now that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if I'm honest, I've learned and know and read more about being a good husband than I am anywhere close to being a good husband. And what... I, th- I think, this is dangerous ground, what I think I'm finally beginning to realize is that instead of learning more about how to do this marriage relationship well, I just need to spend more time with my wife, being more present with my wife, asking her questions that I can, so that I can know her better. Instead of learning more generally how to be a good husband, learning more specifically about my wife, Ashley. Instead of trying to come up with a hundred amazing date options in Southeast Iowa, probably just take my wife on a date, right? And maybe that's too much confession for you this morning, but here's the point. Often this is how we approach our relationship with Jesus. A lot of thinking and studying or planning what we're gonna think and study instead of just spending time with Jesus. Fixing our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
investing in our relationship with him. Realizing that just knowing him more and more changes everything. I love the glimpse of this in our passage. We don't get the full picture, but think about it with me. This Samaritan woman who is likely avoided and shunned meets Jesus. She finds out who he is and leaving her water jar behind goes back to town and begins to tell everyone to come meet this man who knows everything about me. Can he be the Christ? Now that might not seem like a huge change, but, but really think about it. She went to the well alone for a reason. She was likely avoided by people in her town. Not wanting to be talked about or judged, I imagine she was one of those individuals that maybe she walked close to the walls, always was trying to get out of people's ways, often had her head down, avoiding the shame, the gossip that could be coming her way. But then she meets Jesus. And she returns to that same town, seemingly now making a scene to anyone who would listen to her. Come meet this man. He knows everything about me and it's changed everything. Might he be the Christ? He offered me living water, eternal life. Knowing Jesus changed everything for her. Has knowing Jesus changed everything for you? This is the most important question in your life. Do you know Jesus? And if you do, are you seeking to know him more? No one knows you better than Jesus. And knowing Jesus changes everything. Let's finish our passage. We're going to back up to verse 27 to 42. Follow along with me again. Verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his works. Do you not say, do, do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So we have this amazing one-on-one conversation. Then Jesus' disciples come back to this confusing scene. Jesus is speaking alone with a Samaritan woman. None of them are, are brave enough to ask what's going on, so they leave it alone and move on to food. They don't seem to have a clue. 
Before we're mean to Jesus' disciples, we are his disciples. And if we're honest, we often don't have a clue what he's doing. And then Jesus shares something which I feel like every time I've read this in my life seems completely disconnected from what's going on. He starts talking about reaping and sowing, reaping and sowing. But as I studied this past few weeks, I realized it completely fits. Because during this conversation, we learned that the Samaritan woman has been reaping a harvest. Many believed and came to know, as our text says, that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world. So here's our final key point. If no one knows you better than Jesus, and knowing Jesus changes everything, then we must respond like the Samaritan woman did. Key point number three, make it your life's aim to make Jesus known. Make it your life's aim to make Jesus known. Every single person in the world, every single person you know has no greater need than to know Jesus. No one else, nothing else can offer living water, eternal life. He is the savior of the world. You see, we must see what Jesus sees when he tells his disciples, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Reap and sow, reap and sow. If we know that knowing Jesus changes everything, we've got to live like it. First, we've got to know him, love him first with all our heart, mind, and strength, and then love others as yourself. And you see, to truly love others, truly have a burden and heart for others, the most loving thing we can do is to tell them about Jesus, even if they already know Jesus, encouraging them with the knowledge of Christ, introducing people to the only one who can fully satisfy the only one who offers living water, the way, the truth, and the life that no one can come to the Father except through him. Our passage offers a a beautiful, simple picture of making Jesus known. This no-name Samaritan woman who had had five husbands and her current man was not her husband, met Jesus, was so impacted, so changed by this short conversation that she immediately went out to tell others about him. She immediately went out and reaped a harvest in her town that she had clearly not been sowing any gospel seeds in. Right, if you really think about it, her life and reputation were probably doing the opposite. She would have been someone, as we said, people didn't listen to, didn't give the time of day yet. Yet here she is, reaping a harvest of souls. And so why is this unnamed woman able to reap a harvest? Because the gospel is not about her. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about showing people how awesome of a person you are, how good of a Christian you're becoming, but instead pointing them to the one who knows everything about them. The good, the bad, the ugly, and yet he still loves them. It's simply about introducing people to the one who can change their eternity, who can forgive their sins, who can bring peace and healing and hope to the hopeless, who offers eternal thirst-quenching living water, the savior of the world. That's our mission. That's what God calls his people to do, 
to be his ambassadors to the world, to make Jesus known. So let's make it our lives aim to make Jesus known. And then watch Jesus change everything. Not just in the people's lives who come to know him, but in your life too. All right. I know you've been on the edge of your seat about our Harmony Bible Church New Year's resolution, so buckle up. Let's go there now and close with two quick applications that really summarize the message today. Harmony Bible Church New Year's resolution number one, big shocker, seek to know Jesus more this year. Can we do that? Let me see a show of hands. Come on. All right, we're getting there. It's January 1st. By December, you'll be like, be good. Can we all just seek to know Jesus more this year? If you set one goal, I know we want to all diet better and lose a couple pounds and do all those things, but one thing that you're going to set as your goal, make 2023 all about knowing Jesus more. And let's be careful, right? By know more, I mean invest in the relationship with Jesus by spending time with him, in prayer, in his word. Yes, to study, but more just to be with him. Think about him throughout your day. Acknowledge his presence with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Reflect on what he's done for you. Come to worship him with your brothers and sisters. Invest in your relationship with Jesus. If I can connect back to the illustration of my wife, date Jesus in 2023. And maybe you don't like that language, but put it on your calendar. Commit to spending time with the Savior of the world. And I'll promise you one thing. There's not a single person in here at the end of 2023 is gonna come up and be like, John, I I just spent too much time with Jesus this year. (laughs) We all know how good it is, so let's do it. You know, one quick note here. Often we have barriers and things that hinder our relationships. Celebrate Recovery calls those things hurts, habits, and hangups. We all have them, things that we need to confess or maybe get some brothers and sisters to to walk alongside us and point us to Jesus as we work through those things. So if you have a hurt, habit, or hang-up that is making your relationship with Jesus difficult or is making it hard to find satisfaction in Christ, consider going to CR. And this week is a great time to start. We have CR in Fort Madison on Tuesday nights. We have CR in Burlington on Thursday nights. And for the first time this week, we're launching Celebrate Recovery in Mount Pleasant Tuesday night, which I'm very excited about. CR is great, but in addition, we have a wonderful biblical counseling ministry that you can plug into as well. I promise you, you have brothers and sisters that would love to help walk through things that are hindering your relationship with the Lord. But no matter where you are this morning, consider what taking a step towards knowing Jesus more in 2023 might look like for you. I wanna encourage you to take a minute today, even right now, and if something comes to mind, just write it down. Tell a friend, tell someone in your community group, someone to help hold you accountable to seek to know Jesus more this year. All right, Harmony Bible Church, New Year's resolution. Number two, tell more people about Jesus this year. I know that's basically the third point restated, but we all struggle with this one. So let's make this application point real and tangible for a minute. I want everybody to to take a second and start thinking of a couple individual names right now. And before you leave today, before you 
leave from your chair where you're seating. You can stand up. God knows you're going to stand up and sing in a minute. But before you leave this auditorium, before you leave for Madison, before you leave Burlington online, write down those names that the Lord's placed on your heart. Write it down in the handout, write it down in a prayer journal, write it down wherever you take notes, but write it down somewhere. Begin to pray for them intentionally and commit to telling them about Jesus this year. And here's the great freeing thing. All you're called to do is be faithful in sharing the good news. Introducing them to this Jesus who knows everything about them. And then he's gonna do the rest. Think of our passage The woman goes and shares her testimony with people. Her testimony is literally like, hey, come meet this guy that told me everything about me. If you know Jesus in this room, you can say, hey, can I introduce you to someone that's changed my life? And begin to share the gospel, the good word with them. And I love in our passage, the people she shared with, they eventually go and meet Jesus. And I love verse 42. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. No one can get to heaven on someone else's testimony or someone else's relationship with Jesus. Everyone must know him personally. And when someone knows him personally, it changes everything. And if you're sitting there thinking, I'm just not qualified. Remember, it isn't about who we are or what we do, but about who we know and what he did. Friends, no one knows you better than Jesus. That relationship changes everything in your life and we need to tell other people about it.